Okay. All right, guys, welcome to the e-commerce paradise podcast. Today I have a special guest on the show. Uh, his name is John. He's been high ticket dropshipping for quite some time now, and I've really had a chance to talk with him and help him through his store startup process. Uh, welcome to the podcast, John. Thanks, Trevor. Uh, it's it's a pleasure to be here. I usually just I'm usually the one watching these videos, so I've never actually taken part. So it's it's pretty cool. It's exciting. Yeah, man. It's all good. Happy to have you on board, and really excited to talk to you about your success with high ticket dropshipping. Um, you've been doing this for some time now, and I just want to start off, um, just kind of give the viewers and the audience a idea about your story, your background, and how you got into high ticket dropshipping in the first place. Yeah, well, I mean, um, I guess I started off about two years ago. I figured I, I, I needed um, I needed to be able to work from anywhere I want, you know, just for you know um, family reasons. I wanted to be able to work from home wherever that was going to be. Um, so if we wanted to relocate once a year uh, and I could just keep, I could, you know, I, I could be my own boss and be independent instead of having to try and, you know, reinvent myself every time we move city. So um, what I did was, I, you know, I, I'd read the four hour work week and then I was just like, you know, wow. You know, one of those, it was like a yeah, aha moment for me. And I was like, oh, oh my God, that's, that's, I need to figure out how to do that. So um, I actually, what I did was I tried to figure out what dropshipping was. I came across the term, you know, and I was, I was looking at it. So I did, I think, what everybody does when they first discover what dropshipping is. They get a store, they go onto Oberlo, and they start checking AliExpress stuff and, and trying to sell that online. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing um, uh, starting off because, you know, dropshipping is not something that you can just figure out by yourself. You need, you need like you need like a course or you need some you need somebody to say this is how you do it and this is and this is how not to do it so I actually um, my first store was terrible I mean I, I I lost I lost money I think I made like $50 sale in a month and I'd spent a lot more just trying to get those ads because I was trying to drop ship $50 items uh, so you know it wasn't it wasn't a really great but um, I figured there must be an easier way, so I tried to, um, I think I enrolled in a few different courses, actually. Uh, um, and then when I, when I finally found that there is a, there, you know, there, there, there is a blueprint out there, and there's a, you know, there's a couple of blueprints, um, I, you know, I, I got a niche, and I followed the, the, the procedures, and I did everything that everybody told me to do. And um, it's now starting to work. I mean, I launched my current store on July 31st last year. So it's, it's, a, it's been a year exactly. And uh, I, it actually didn't work out very well. I, I was losing money every month. I made two sales. I made one sale last year. Last year, one sale. And then I made one sale in February. And then I was like, uh, how long can I keep this up, you know? I think most people would have would have quit before, but I really needed to make it work. So um, I think what uh, then in in March, I think it was on the fifth of March, because I was looking at, I was looking at my Skype, you know, uh, recap, and I thought I saw our last call was on the fifth of March, and since then it's working. <laughs> I figured out so. Yeah, so I, it, I still have lots of room to grow because, I mean, there's still lots of things I need to do, still lots of improvements I need to implement, but it's working now, so that's a relief. That's great to hear, yeah, I know, when you finally get it working, it's just like the most amazing feeling, like, okay, this actually works, yes, let me do it, yeah. let me dive into it. I remember that feeling when I first got my sale, 
back in 2011, um, very first sale I ever made. Um, it was a bicycle and I was just like, so psyched. I was like, wow, somebody in New York literally bought this thing off my website. I'm in Los Angeles. I never talked to this yeah. person. They just, they just drove the, the e-commerce platform I was using. It's called eCreator. It's kind of like, it's like an eBay alternative, but it's kind of like Shopify before Shopify. And so okay. the cool thing about them was they actually drove Google shopping ads to the listings. Shopify doesn't even do that unless you use an app and you pay for it yourself, but they actually paid for it. So it was pretty cool. So I was just lucky. I stumbled upon that and then, you know, I sold the product and they bought it and like we had the supplier and it, they shipped it to the customer and made like $35 or something because it, it was a low price to yeah. bicycle and it, it worked out, man. I was so happy about that. Um, that feeling is so awesome. I'm just so glad that you're, you know, finding success with it now and stuff like that. And I want to go back a little bit though and talk about, you know, not specifically your niche, but like how you found your niche. Like what were the steps that you took to decide on your niche and like, how did you choose, how did you decide it was like the right one for you and that you wanted to pursue that as opposed to something else? Well, I mean, um, I, I followed, you know, there's, there's a certain criteria that there is a, there is a blueprint, you know, there is a, like a, a way of finding a, a good niche and, uh, my the first time I I, I, I did it wrong. I, I just I took a guess. I figured I think this will be a really good niche, and that and I went for it. And it was like the it was the prepper niche, like survivalist prepper gear. You know, like uh, what was I selling? Survival kits. You know, like if there's an earthquake and you've got this go bag. Uh, you know that because I figured that, that that's gonna work because and and it is a big niche. Well, I didn't really know what I was doing, so I went straight into it, and uh, I couldn't find suppliers with uh, map. And it was, I just, I didn't know what I was doing. I was feeling around the dark, and it was a failure. So I started again, and I figured I would, um, you know, use the, 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 let's say, the niche selection criteria that you teach in your course. So all of the, let's say, the criteria were, um, uh, let's see. So uh, is it is it really is it really heavy? So if it's going to be really uh, is the shipping cost because everybody in the U.S. expects free shipping now. Uh, you know, is that going to take up all of the margin? You know, um, let's see the the price point. So I was looking for anything between. I was looking for something around a thousand dollars, right? Because I know that let's say people say you know anything over five hundred dollars, there's still you know a bit of margin. I was thinking let's let's go for about a thousand. Turns out that the niche can go from anywhere between 500 to, I think my highest item is like five and a half grand. So like, you know, it can vary. Uh, but what are criteria? Actually, I did make a few mistakes. I, I, even following the criteria, because being in Italy, I didn't use a VPN. So when I was looking to see how many, how many other uh, dropship stores there are, I found, I think, two or three. Uh, and I thought, oh, I think there's room here. And then it turns out there's like, now there's like 40. So it's insane. There's so many. So it's really saturated now. Um, so I think that's also where where uh, where some of my sales are, are are going. They're going like to everybody else that's trying to get the same mm. the same portion of the pie. But uh, yeah, I mean, I did use a criteria. I think I I start off with like a hundred uh, random options, and then I started uh, applying all of the criteria. So price point, uh, weight. Uh, are there like US suppliers? Because obviously I wanted to ship from the US uh, because I serve in the US even though I live in Italy. And uh, what else? What else was the criteria? Um, how many stores there were? If they were dropship friendly? Um, and I know I've seen the, your videos where you go and verify whether they are dropship friendly or not because you know if there are other stores doing it, then you can too. Uh, and I, I followed all of those steps, um, and I found my niche. I only I only made that one mistake about 
using, I didn't use a VPN, so I didn't find Google Shopping, all of those other stores that were already selling all of the things I, was, I want to sell. But uh, so I did it. So I got like, let's say nine out of the 10 criteria correct. And I found my niche. And so even with that, with that like amateur mistake, uh, rookie mistake, I, uh, it's still, I made it work anyway. So. Yeah, that's cool. I think honestly, uh, every, almost, I won't say every niche, but like most niches are very competitive now. And you know, the mm. more, the more time goes on, the more people enter the marketplace, some stores fail, some stores kind of just stagnate, some stores grow, you know, and, and it generally depends on the person, you mm. know, like if you're growing as a person, if you're learning marketing, if you're learning better ways to like reach your audience, talk to your audience, you know, and the better ways to close sales, like conversion optimization stuff, better ways to do backend sales and stuff like that. Like you're going to yeah. beat the competition. So no matter how competitive a market is, even if it's something like furniture, which is like crazy competitive, you can still compete there if you just learn these really important conversion optimization and sales techniques. Um, some of which the big yeah. companies just can't offer. And um, like you were saying before on the, on the expensive shipping stuff, um, some of these companies, like they're just not willing to do it, you know, whereas you can come in and you can, if you're willing to handle these things then you can definitely do it. So it's awesome that you chose your niche and that you got going with that. Um, a really quick, uh, let the viewers know which e-commerce platform that you use um, for your store. Yeah, well, I use Shopify. Okay. I mean, I believe isn't like Shopify is what like the the, the Ferrari of uh, <laughs> of platforms. Anyway, I, I I mean it's it's been easy for me because I I'm useless with computers. I'm not very tech savvy, and I could figure it out. So um, if I can, anybody can. It's it's fairly. I wouldn't say it's cut and paste, but it's it's uh, you know. Um, foolproof. Yeah, I agree. It's a lot easier to love the more complicated platforms. Yeah, and they have like uh, their, their support system, their support chat. Uh, if there's ever a problem, twenty four seven, and they're really, really, really friendly, really helpful. They're always cheerful. That's great. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> they have a great company culture. That's true. They, they, they really do. Yeah, yeah, they really do. Like, I, I actually don't mind contacting their support team because I know it's going to be a good experience, which. It's really unusual. Uh, I mean, that's not. I mean, in Italy anyway. Uh, if you try to pick up a phone call and try to call the, like utilities or whatever, it's just you know it's going to be like a two-hour argument, and then you're not going to get anything resolved, and you're frustrated for the rest of the day. It's a disaster. But Shopify have it figured out, so it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think Canadians in general are just really nice people. So being that they're based in Canada, yeah. you know, maybe they got that going for them too, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's 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 what they say. Yeah, so, no, but that, that's a really that's a, it's very important as well when you when you're considering what platform to use. If you know that they're going to be there for you and they're going to like cheer you up as well, they're really helpful. They're always really happy, very very you know. So uh, it's it's a really good experience. So I, for me, that was very important. Not understanding anything about computers, yeah, knowing true. that that's. Yeah, the full support. I like the the uh, managed hosting feature because I used to use WordPress and WooCommerce, and it was hosted on GoDaddy servers. And sometimes, like it seemed to happen, like at least once a month when we were getting really steady sales and traffic, is the whole website would just go down randomly. Like I would wake up one morning with like five emails, like, "Hey man, your website's down. I want to order a bike." And I'm just like, "Dude, are you kidding me? Like, I wonder how many people didn't decide to call, you know, like, and just went to another yeah. website." So I had to hire a developer and have them on hand at least once a month to like fix our like files or something just some weird things that would happen that i had no idea how to control and so anyways um that was just kind of a headache for me where you know i'm sure there's like better hosting and there's managed wordpress that people can use for you know woocommerce and stuff like that but i still prefer shopify just because it's an all like managed solution i've even used um volusion in the past i've used big commerce 
And as far as like simplicity goes, Shopify, in my opinion, is just way easier to use, especially like you said, for people like you and I that just like, we're, we're kind of tech savvy, we're getting there, but we're not like crazy mm -hmm. developer status tech savvy. <laughs> Yeah, like like once you once you once you take on this this job, you think that okay, you just have to learn how to sell something, but yeah. you have to learn every. You 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 wear like fifteen different hats in this job, so and you do have to then sort of get in the trenches also and look at the code. So Shopify makes it as easy as it can be. So yeah, their coding system that called Liquid um, is a lot easier to use, mm -hmm. in my opinion, than um, than WordPress uses PHP. So if you want to do custom stuff with WordPress, you have to learn PHP, which is a pretty complicated code. Honestly, I don't even know PHP. I never took the time to learn it because by the time I was mm -hmm. about to, I decided to sell that site and get on with a Shopify store instead. So, but I know yeah. Liquid pretty well now. It's actually really easy. They have a whole library, you know. So for people um, thinking about like which platform to use, you know, for custom stuff, I, Shopify is awesome. So. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Um, what were some of the things that you did to optimize your store? You know, like it takes people a long time to finally get sales. Can you go through maybe just a few of the, like the biggest things that made the biggest difference in your store? Yeah, well, um, around January, I actually changed theme. I was using like a, I was using like a standard theme for the store and I, I ended up buying Shoptimized, the, the theme. Um, just because it had all of the things that I would normally have had to use add-on apps to get anyway. So, and, and I think a lot of the optimized themes, uh, the, the aspects that they have, like a lot of it was uh, centered around uh, urgency, um, social proof. So there's like, you know, there's the pop-up that says, you know, uh, uh, Trevor has just bought this like one hour ago or, you know, like four people are looking at this product right now or uh, the like five sold in the last 24 hours and it's you know it does something to you you know when you're when you're looking at it because i know when i'm when i'm looking at buying something and i'm thinking okay there's what there's two left do i really want it because it's now or never you know or maybe it's it, it can sort of help the people make the decision right there instead of just saying okay i'll look back later and then they don't um not everything on the theme is uh, i think is high ticket drop shipping uh, you know, it, like, I think if you were to turn on, like when I, when I got Shoptimized, I thought, okay, there's all these features. I turned everything on and it was like a Christmas tree. It was just, <laughs> did, 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 you know, there was like flames flashing and colors and bing, bing, bing. And um, it was, it was hard to watch. And, but I mean, if, if you're selling something like a $50 product uh, that's trending on Facebook and it's the hottest thing, like fidget spinners or something, I mean, you can just turn that thing on and it'll, it'll sell itself. It's great. But maybe for high, trick, high, high ticket dropshipping, it's a bit, you have to try and to be a bit more selective. Um, but Shoptimize has all of those features, so you can choose whichever you, one you want. So I think a lot of the social proof um, was what made it because I wasn't making any sales. Um, there was no, there was, there, you know, there, I didn't have many reviews. I didn't have any, um, there was no, there was no pop-up saying, you know, like this item has sold in the last four hours. So there wasn't anything to tell the customer that this guy is legit, the store is good, it sells, what are people like using him? So, you know, if and take a credit card. Um, but now it does, and I think that's made a big difference. You know, because people have to, be, have to feel safe. You know, people have, have then written to me on the chat and said, how do I know you're legit? You know, and all I can say is, Religion, trust me, give me your credit card and find out. You know, so I mean, it's um, 
understandably there's a lot of skepticism so uh, the more comfortable you can make people feel about using your store over somebody else's the more likely you are that they're going to pull the trigger so definitely i agree and for the listeners and the viewers i wanted to throw out there that i've done a full shoptimized review and breakdown so you can kind of understand this thing a little bit more if you just type in ecommerceparadise.com optimized review into a web browser or iphone you can see that review it's really in depth and like John said, it's one of the best themes for conversion optimization. You can use it for high ticket dropshipping, you can use it for AliExpress dropshipping, print on demand, all this stuff. Um, there's a lot of different features in there. So you don't want to definitely turn everything on at once. You probably want to just turn on um, a select few features and then split test them and see what converts better for your audience and stuff like that. So Shoptimize theme is also the one that I use. And I actually teach that, um, how to use that uh, that theme in the course and the masterclass that I teach. So if you want to learn exactly how to set that up for high ticket drop shipping specifically, how I do it for the case study. So you can go to the masterclass ecommerceparadise.com slash masterclass. So let's get into the next uh, question, John. Um, now there's a lot of different Shopify apps people can use out there to enhance their store and stuff like that. Um, a lot of them mm -hmm. are used for conversion optimization. Other ones are used, you know, for other things um, like customer service. What's the number one Shopify theme or Shopify app that you use and recommend you like the most out of all of them? Um, oh, um, I think probably the, well, when I actually, when I started using the Shoptimize team, I started removing some of the apps because, uh, because in Shoptimize, the, the, the social proof pop-up was one app. The countdown timer was another app. So I had like four or five different apps that once I started using Shoptimize, I actually removed because Shoptimize does them all. Um, so I think it's a collection of all of the social proof and urgency that works. Um, I, I don't have one app that I've added on that I think is, is what makes a big difference. I had been using the bold upsell app. Um, and in theory, I really liked the, the, the idea. Um, but I just, I actually, I've just, you know, I, I took it down a few days ago and I'm probably going to replace it with, they have another app uh, it's like an upsell app or, or I don't know if they're going to call it an after sale app because instead of uh, uh, suggesting uh, like a, an accessory to go with the item uh, during your checkout, they, it's an add-on at the end. So it's like it goes as soon as you've checked out, you go, okay, you've just bought this product. Here's what you can do and um, would you also like to add this? So you've already paid for it. You've already checked out. So the sale is complete. And if they want to then add the accessory, you don't have to go back credit card details again and check out. It's basically a one click. Yes, I'll have that too. And then, so that will help us. So I think I'm going to put that on this week sometime. What's the name of that um, app again? The one you're talking um, about? You know? it's, it's one of the bold, um, I think it's, yeah, it's bold, uh, bold upsell. I think bold upsell app is the one that is the upsell during checkout, which I just took down because I didn't see an increase in conversions and it was an extra step for people to check out. Um, so after the so, checkout is when they do the upsells on this app. So they, ha they have one called, I, I don't remember what the name is, but, um, but if you, they have like a, they have this app and it's free and it's called bold brain. And Bold Brain works with all of the other Bold Brain, all of the other Bold apps as well. So it sort of intelligently predicts what your customers would like to do based on their behavior on your store. And within that app, it also explains that which apps will work well for upselling or after sale upsells. Uh, so cool. with Bold anyway, yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. You know, you can you can grow your store in a number of ways. It's either get more suppliers and add more products, or you can you know try to reach new marketing channels, do more content marketing and that stuff. Or you can sell more stuff or sell more expensive stuff, raise your average order value. Mm. And like you're talking about, man, that's one of the best ways to do it is to sell more things to people that have bought from you in the first place. So that's awesome. That's a great tip. Thanks, John, for that. And also, um, if you don't mind talking about what your results have been, I know you kind of talked about that in the beginning, but let, can we get more a little bit more in depth as to what like your progress has been since you first started? I know you said the first year you made like maybe one sale, but what's it been like after that? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, so last year in the first six, seven months, actually, I only made one sale, which uh, was just on, it was, uh, oh, I actually made two sales. I made two sales, it was like 5K, just below five, it was like 4,900. And the margins were very small because I, I was losing money every month, so in really, I didn't actually make any money. Um, and then in February, I made one sale, uh, which I didn't even break even in February. Uh, and, and then we had a, you know, then I reached out to you and said, Trevor, I need your help. I don't know. Uh, I know I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing, but it's not working. You know, what do I do? And we had a one hour call and that was on the 5th of March. And it took me about 15 days to implement about 90% of all of the things that you, you, cause I, I remember because when you looked at my site, you were like, oh, John, <laughs> what are you doing? Okay change this, 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 then do this, this, this. I had a list of, I think, 15, 20 things to do. Uh, and once I started implementing them, um, at, around mid-March, I started making sales consistently. And since mid-March, actually, I woke up this morning and there was a sale. Uh, so I'm at 108K sales since, since the end of March. So let's say beginning of April would be April, May, June, July. So four months and a few days, and it's 108K sales. Awesome. I just closed. Yeah, I'm averaging about 25K sales a month now with about 25 to 30 orders a month, which is almost like one a day. Yeah. In June, no, July, the month just closed. It was my record month because I'm just like, since March, uh, since I made all of those changes that you gave me, I, I made a few sales closing March. Then April, I had a full month where I was, you know, was having full effect. And then May, June was still, it, it just kept improving. And then in July, just month just gone, I, I made 32,500 sales. And for the first time, I broke 10,000 visitors. So I'm hoping it just keeps going. Yeah, that sounds great, man. I'm so glad you're on the up and up with your store. Yeah, you know, and, yeah it's uh, a relief. Uh, that's wonderful. You know, I, I love that. That 30,000 mark is really cool, especially for your first store, because with high ticket drop shipping, you're maybe like 10, 15, 20% margins at the most. But, you know, $30,000 uh, in sales means about 2500 to $3,000 in net profit margins, you know, at the end of the month. And that's just yeah, amazing. Like, that's I, a, I quitting your job month, status. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if that was consistent, yeah, it would be like, uh, it would be very, very, because obviously at the end of the day, my, my goal is to be able to do this full time and then, and then start a second store because then like in half a day I could manage two stores, you know, um, and I already work from home. So, I mean, it would be a very, very, um, I mean, that, that's, that's what I want to do at the end of the day. Um, I've only been making sales for four months, so it's too early to start talking about, you know, quitting the day job and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, also because because I'm living in Italy, it's a bit more complicated because um, if I don't work, um, I'm not entitled to certain things like, uh, like free, let's say, like a doctor. And 
uh, you know, I, the, the pension. Sort of, there are other things to look into, but the goal is to be able to be financially independent and location independent. And this is a huge step forward for me. So, um, so it's great. I mean, it's been four months consistent sales and four months it's, con it's consistently improving. So the signs are all very positive and I'm hoping August is an improvement on July and um, I still have a list of things that you, that you recommend that I do. I still have to do them. So uh, I'm still working off that to-do list uh, and it's working. So Awesome, man. So great to hear. So, that, that kind of leads, yeah, definitely, man. I'm looking forward to hearing more about like your results as well in the future. Um, like you said, four months, like it's still early, man. You got, you know, another five, six months till the end of the year. And then we've got, you know, all of 2019 as well. So yeah. it's just getting started. And, and you know that at the beginning of the year, I thought, okay, this is my year. It was like first of January. I actually, I think this is, I actually downloaded one of those like printable calendars, you know, just every day is a different month. And I actually started off, I had here like 2018 goals. You can't really see that. And down at the very bottom I had, I don't know if you can see that 50k sales, it says 50k sales. And then I, so what I tried to do was I tried to break down the 50k sales divided by like 12 months. How many sales would that need to be on an average order? And I was thinking it's going pretty bad. So if I can turn this around and make 50k sales, I might make a very small profit, but at least I can prove the concept yeah. and then build it from there. Yeah. And then, and then I'm at 108k sales now in four months. So, I mean. That's some powerful stuff right there. Goal setting is one of the best things you can do. And you did the right thing. You wrote it down. You know, you highlighted yeah. it. You made it real. You like, you like made it so real to yourself that you manifested it in your own life. I think that's some really cool law of attraction stuff right there. And that's powerful. You know, listen, yeah. you know take notes, guys. That's, that's how you do it. You know, like you might find like all sorts of weird confusions and, and doubts in your mind about whether something works or not. And really it's just your belief about whether it works or not. So if you find a course out there that's like step-by-step, step, like the masterclass I teach and you jump in there and you do it and you take it and you do every single little thing I say to do. And then this can happen, you know, like it, it will happen. Mm -hmm. This just pretty much will happen. You just have to like see it. You have to surround yourself with it and then believe it. And once you believe something, you manifest it. Um, one of my favorite books that um, is all about manifestation is, um, is uh, uh, the secret and so the secret is all about like law of attraction it's it's about like putting yourself in that place physically feeling the emotions that you're gonna feel in your heart and your mind breathing like all that stuff that the physical um, emotions you're gonna feel when you have that you know success and so that you make it more real for yourself you manifest it and uh, Napoleon Hill also wrote an amazing book called think and grow rich that I read when I was probably 21 or 22 um, it just changed my life absolutely because he really does talk about making things real because you have to you have to you know believe it right and then you can achieve it you have to like really like know that's gonna be true anyways so definitely check those books out um, for the listeners and um, and John uh, this gets me right perfectly into one of the last questions which is how, how is working from home uh, changed your life I know you were talking about just before the interview we were saying how um, you've been able to figure out how to make a remote working agreement with your employers so you've been able to work from home and it's allowed you to work on your job trips work can you talk a little bit more about that yeah absolutely I mean if I was if I was still working in, in my in the office and I would leave the leave the house at eight o'clock in the morning get there by nine leave at six get home at seven walk the dog do the dinner there wouldn't be any room for dropshipping otherwise I'd be doing maybe from 10 to midnight 
and not a lot gets done by the end of the day because I mean my best hours are the mornings and I don't think I would have made any progress or very, very, very less, a lot less progress. By working from home, I basically gained two hours a day because I don't have to leave the house. You know, I don't have to iron a shirt. That's all time. Because for me, I used to think when I used to get the train to work, I would walk to the train station and um, I would think, okay, I'll get the train. Then I walk to the train station. And I was thinking that's dead time. I mean, if I could be, I, I used to think, even if, even like if I was able to iron my clothes on the train to work, which is a ridiculous concept, but at least the time would be more useful. Um, but there's not you can you can read a book or you could try to learn stuff using podcasts or that sort of. But you can't sit down and apply and build concepts. You can't be on you know on Shopify things because there's no Wi-Fi anywhere. So. It's dead time. So just by transitioning to working from home, I can now, if I want to use my hour lunch break, I can just get on my store, you know, do a few things, respond to emails, do whatever I want to do. And uh, as soon as I'm off the clock from my day job, I'm already then online for the store. I, there's no transition. There's no time lost. And well, and, and I'm home all day. So um my computer's on the whole time. So for as long as I'm awake, let's say I'm online. Um, so it's very uh, efficient time. And now I just have to try to figure out how to cut out those eight hours a day that, that I feel is also dead time. But anyway, that's a different story. Because I, be I could be a lot more productive working on my business rather than somebody else's business. But uh, that's, all right. that's probably for next year. A lot of people, when they're just starting out, you know, they have their day job and you have to have kind of a full-time, you know, income of some sort before you start your own business. So you have a budget, yeah. you know, so you can invest that budget into your business. It's just kind of how you have to do it um, in order to find success, in order to stick with it for the long run. So I think you're doing the right thing, you know, and everybody kind of has to go through that. I know I went through it for a full three years before I was able to quit my job. You know, I was working yeah. like before work, I was working after work, like you said, weekends, I was building the site, but I also figured out how to get into the sales department at the company I was working for and get my own cubicle in the corner where they couldn't see my computer screen. So between phone calls and stuff like that, everybody thought I was just mm -hmm. typing up emails to customers. I was actually building my e-commerce site and just not saying a, okay. a single thing about it to anybody. The other salesmen were like watching stupid YouTube videos and stuff and they were getting caught by the managers and they didn't even think a thing about me because mm -hmm. I was being nice and quiet and taking phone calls right away. So I was being a good boy, you know, at work and stuff like that. And, uh, it, you know, it, it, doing that allowed me to escape um, faster and, um, you know, just do, just do it under the radar, which is really cool. But really quick, um, you were able to do this without having to go through that. And you're able to start your remote work agreement with your employer. Can you go a little bit over that just so people maybe like who are interested in that and, and want to figure that out can, can gain from your um, experience with that? So you have a remote work uh, agreement with your employer? About trying to get it about trying to transition well i mean in, in my in my case um i mean every, everybody's everybody's cases you know like situation is different and certain jobs what you need to be you know you, you need to be around your team and your colleagues but i mean i don't i i work as a financial analyst uh, my team i've got a couple of guys in manila somebody two people in north america one in dubai um and then i'm in europe so I don't, I don't, I've never even, I, I met my boss once when I flew over to Tampa to, uh, to see him. But other than that, I could have been sitting in the, in the office in Florence or in my house or on, or on a, on a beach resort with Wi-Fi. And 
No, so it didn't. It, it wasn't a huge transition for me, but because of um, basically the way it works is because my I work for a, an American multinational. Um, they uh, they already understand the concept of remote work flex the flexible work agreement. So it wasn't a huge. Uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge shock for them, you know, for, because you know it, lots of companies in the US have maybe like two days a week where you can work remotely, and so it's not a huge leap to go to five days. In my case, um, because my wife has a, has a high profile job and sometimes we, we relocate, what would happen was is that, um, you know, if we had a, if, if we had a really good opportunity to relocate, cause it would, it would advance our lives. It, it could still mean that I would have to maybe quit my job, relocate, and then start again and look for another job there. Um, when, when I was working, when I'm working for this company, uh, there were lots of changes. And what, what can also happen in big companies is somebody leaves and instead of hiring somebody, then you get their job as well. So you get, you get your job and you've got their job. So then you've got like so much responsibility, you know, you feel, you know, you're being torn, pulled from everywhere. Um, so it was, it was a problem because I was, I was running two different roles with wearing two different hats, you know, two different emails. Like I was basically two different people in the company. So when I found out that we were going to relocate again, I figured, you know, what I'll do is I'll ask. I don't even know if, my, if the company does this as a policy, but I'm going to ask. Um, and then they realized when I asked, they were like, hmm, let me think. If John leaves, because he's basically saying, I really like to continue working. I basically put it to them and said, look, I love my job. I would like to continue working, but I have to work remotely because we're moving 300 kilometers away from here. Is there any way we can work this out? Because I don't want to leave, uh, you know, and uh, what, what do you think? Basically, they, they figured it out that to replace me, they would have to hire two people because I was doing two jobs. Um, so then they realized how much that would cost to hire new people, two new people, to train two new people. And they said, yeah, probably, it's probably let's give it a go. Um, and they were saying, you know, I'm not sure if it's going to work. Well, let's see. Maybe we'll think about it in the future. And I said, well, I mean, it's not really an it's not really that negotiable because I have a deadline, you know, because we're going to be, we, we, we pay a mortgage in Florence, but when we relocate, we have to keep paying the mortgage, but we have to pay rent. So we can't keep both places. Um, so I, it's not, it's not financially viable that I stay. So I have to leave. Uh, so why don't you just give me a trial? Let's try, let's try for, I don't know, six months or try for a year. Uh, and let's see how it works. If, if you, if you're unhappy, We'll, we'll discuss it then and see what we can do, but just give me the chance. And he said, okay, you know, let, let's try for a year. And then after a year, I mean, everything went fine. I still did my job. Um, there were no like huge dips in productivity in my role. So they realized that I was actually working from home and not just, you know, doing nothing and in, sitting in my pajamas or watching Netflix. So um, they realized that, I mean, I was still working. I was a responsible guy and, you know, the job got done. And after a year, it came around to be renewed and they just signed off for a renewal. There wasn't even a negotiation or a review. It was like, okay, sure, you know, just as you were. So it worked. So, I mean, I think if anybody is in that position and they want to, you know, look to start working remotely so they can get back those extra one hour or two hour commute so they can apply it to something productive like starting their store, have the discussion. Just say, look, this is what I, this is what I need to do for personal reasons. I need to be at home, or at least I need to be able to 
I'd be home a few days a week, if not all the time. Why don't we try three months, six months trial? And if you see that product productivity hasn't, hasn't feigned, you know, maybe we can look at doing it on a more like full-time basis. I mean, what are they going to, they're going to say no, at least, you know, at least have the conversation. I mean, what, what I did was I now, I focus, I found out that when I was home, I was working more than I was in the office because I felt like people are th obviously thinking that I'm not working. So I was working longer hours. I was having more meetings. I, I was trying to prove to everybody like, here I am. You see, I'm online. I'm sending these emails and look, it's nine o'clock in the evening and I'm still, you know, I'm still available. Uh, it took me nearly a year to, to, to remember that I don't have to prove that I'm working. The job is getting done. The results are there. As long as I do a good job at five o'clock or at six o'clock, if I'm no longer available, I mean, that, that's okay because I would have left the office by now anyway. So actually, I actually, in the first year I was working longer because I felt like I had to prove that it was a good idea. Um, but I was able to rein that back and use the time more productively to, uh, to, to make shit happen, as they say. <laughs> That's um, great. I'm so glad that you had that experience. And I'm sure the listeners really appreciate that, you know, you were able to share that experience right now because, you know, anybody that works for a company like you do can definitely do something like that if they just, you know, aren't afraid to ask and they put their mind to it. And like you said, like prove yourself maybe for the first year, you know, and work overtime a little bit. And then after that, rein it back in and establish you know the respect upon your time more and then i'm sure that at that point they respect your time a lot because like you said the job's getting done they don't need to pay the overhead costs of having an extra office and having all the equipment for you and stuff like that so it's less cost for them you're now using your yeah. home office which is really cool so it's a win-win you know it totally is yeah and also my office because it's it's still part of the american multinational but it's in italy so there is still a bit of an italian mentality so what they weren't all very accepting but I think I was the first guy in the office in Italy to get uh, you know, a flexible working arrangement. And once they, they saw the potential, now like half of the office have at least two days where they, they have like flexible work arrangement. And now they've got a smaller office and they can rotate. So nobody has a fixed position. Like it's not desk, John's desk or Mary's desk, it's desks. You come in, you put down your laptop and you work. And you know, everybody knows, uh, John, let's say on Fridays and in the office, I'm going to use his desk. So it's like a rotational office. It's great. It's like a, almost like a, like a remote working uh, cafe. Yeah. So it's, it's good for them. I was going to say, it's like a co-working space, man. Yeah. yeah. It's like a co-working space. <laughs> it's exactly. just funny because they have co-working spaces everywhere, uh, everywhere out here in Thailand. It's very popular for yeah. the entrepreneurs. Like it's probably just people like you too that, that work remotely um, for a lot, you know, different employers all over the world, tech companies, financial companies, you know, all mm. sorts of stuff. Same. Uh, so yeah, that's interesting to know that the financial company has the same workspace as the, the co-working spaces have. I didn't know that actually. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But they probably, they just, they just don't want to call it like a co-working space. They yeah. still call it the office. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to You got to maintain the frame of you go there and you work. You don't go there to hang out. Yeah. yeah. Um, exactly. cool, man. Well, that's awesome, man. Your story is so um, inspirational and it's really cool to see your success so far. And I can't wait to learn more about your success. Um, can you offer like one parting piece of guidance to people who are just starting out? You know, maybe they were in your position a year and a half ago and they want to be where you are now. Like what's the number one tip you would offer them? The, the absolute number one tip is get a mentor. Find somebody that knows what you're trying to do and somebody proven that has done it before and ask them for help. I mean, you don't have to say, please help me. And then you don't pay them. I mean, you just 
look for whether it's whether it's your course or whether it's just coaching calls or somebody like you uh, find somebody that knows what they're doing and knows how to uh, give that information to you in a structured way where you have clear action items and then go and do the work because it's not it you know when i started i thought this sounds too good to be true but also because i was thinking of it almost as like a get rich quick scheme i figured you know, like the, 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 the movie, The Field, if, if, they, if you build it, they will come. That, that's sort of what I thought I was getting into. I'll build a website and then visitors are just going to show up and they're just going to buy from me. I'm going to sit back and watch the money come in. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not exactly how it works. Yeah, that's not how it works. But I mean, because there's so many things you have to learn. And this stuff you don't learn in school. You don't learn like there, you, there are some books, but they're more conceptual there's no manual out there you need to find a mentor or a course that can say step one this step two this step three this and that way you can just say okay thanks it takes the guesswork out of it and just do the work and put in the work exactly as you're told uh, and you will make huge progress because I spent a year I spent almost a year like basically feeling around in the dark trying to figure it out I did take other courses and they were absolutely instrumental um, courses for email marketing and AdWords and I've, I've done courses on everything and they've all been very, very, very helpful. Um, the, I think the number one thing is find a mentor and just do, exact, do exactly as they tell you to do because that's when you can just take the guesswork out, apply the rules, the criteria. And it will work. If you put in the work and you follow the criteria, you will see results. Um, I mean, obviously, there are waving factors, but uh, find a mentor. That, that's my, it's my parting uh, piece of wisdom. Yep. I, w I wish I would have known you know, about the power of mentorship back when I first started. I honestly am very lucky to have found you know, a business mentor when I first started. When it was uh, 2010, mid-2010, I was all about starting a skateboard company because that was like the one thing I wanted to do is start a skateboard brand. You know, um, My friend had started one, and so it kind of gave me the impetus to start one. And I talked to him, and he said, look, man, you need to find somebody who's going to help you with business because if you haven't taken business classes, you don't know how business works. Starting a business is going to be ridiculously complicated. You're probably going to fail. And so so the first thing I did was start talking to people about it. Like everybody around me, I just like talked to about my, all my ideas about business. And one of those guys, he got really lucky. He was a, he was a locksmith. He's in his like fifties. He's a business owner, long time business owner, his whole life, uh, self-employed. And he was like, you know what, man, your, your idea sounds great. Let me go buy you a website domain. And that was like, what? A website domain? Why would I get a website domain? This was back in 2010. I didn't really understand the power of websites yet. I just had kind of got into Facebook. And so like he bought the domain and I was just tripping out, you know, and he came up with a name. He called it Beatnik Boards. And I thought, okay, this is kind of a weird name. I don't even know what that means really, but let's just go for it. Like, I mean, this guy sounds like a go-getter and I was just, you know, I was just down, you know, I knew that like having a mentor in business was so cool because none of my family um, is in the business. None of my family is like entrepreneurial at all. So like, mm. I just, I couldn't go to family. I couldn't go to any of my direct friends. None of my friends were really entrepreneurial that much. Um, so he was like the only guy that like I had. And so I went and met with him like every single weekend at Denny's and sat down and we talked business ideas. And finally, like we, we went through a lot of struggles trying to get the first startup going. But then when he finally saw this niche 
Now these like little uh, uh, single speed bicycles, kids were riding around North Hollywood, like in these huge packs, like hundred kids were like jamming down these roads. And I think they're still pretty popular like that. But he was like, you know what, man, like, let's go sell those things online. Let's figure out this drop shipping thing. So apparently someone at GoDaddy had talked to him and he asked them, hey, how can I make money online? He said, hey, check out drop shipping. So this all kind of just fell together. We found a supplier in LA and uh, we had to buy like kids mm -hmm. bikes up front just to get the account with them and all this crazy stuff. And it, we got the account. I, I found I was just really lucky, man. Like everything fell into place. I found that I found that e-creator thing I was talking about. And, uh, yeah. and they actually drove Google shopping ads. So like you were saying, like you can't just put up a website and expect people to come. Um, you have to drive traffic. But I just got really lucky that I found a website builder and I didn't even understand what was going on, but they actually drove traffic with Google shopping ads. And this is back in like 2011 where like I had no idea how Google shopping ads even worked. I knew AdWords existed and I didn't really know how it worked. And I just got super lucky that we started getting sales and like, there you go, man. Like the number one thing for sure getting started is, is getting a mentor of some sort he was yeah. able to supply me with the credit and the capital I needed to get started. Like I didn't have a credit card back then. It was maybe like a $500 limit, you know, like I would have never been able to afford these products without him. He had, he had credit established. So he got us a credit card, like $5,000 limit or something for the business. And we were just off to the races at that point, you know? So yeah, for sure. I agree hundred percent, John, like getting a mentor, man, yeah. is awesome. And I uh, couldn't have done it without him. You know, really lucky. I, I'm actually, I'm actually still running my store without a credit card. What? <laughs> How do you manage that? <laughs> <laughs> well, because because I'm I'm not a U.S. citizen, I don't have a social security number, I don't have any credit history. They won't give me a credit card. Yeah. So when I I actually had to fly to the U.S. to open a bank account because you know they don't open bank accounts that easily. Uh, remotely um, so I flew over and they said we'll give you a debit card and I was like okay well can I still make purchases online and can people you know like charge can people charge me like a credit card? yeah yeah as long as you have money in your account so I did have to like transfer I think I transferred like $2,500 over because I I was at the time obviously I wasn't even expecting to make a lot of sales I was thinking well okay let's just it needs to be in there just so if I get an order I can fulfill it immediately instead of waiting a week for Shopify to then, you know, send me the funds. And I got one or two sales, uh, but, but I, I didn't get like five sales all at once. So I wasn't caught out because obviously it would have been better to have like five or 10 times uh, one, one item. So I got one or two sales and then that money came in. And so with the margin, my balance kept slightly increasing and then my sales started increasing. So it sort of rose together. So I was lucky. So I have a, I, I use my debit card because uh, they, they won't give me a credit card yet. So, so it's kind of a I'm good thing your sales kind of took a little while to, to go up because now you're yeah, more yeah. well prepared for the, for the sales when they come in now, the big ones. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's cool, man. Well, uh, John, it's been, it's a crazy journey, man. It's, it's been a lot of fun talking to you today. Thanks for sharing your entire story. I'm um, really excited about your success in the future. And for the listeners, if you guys are looking to get started with high ticket dropshipping, I have a niches list. It's kind of the best way to get started because if you don't even understand what high ticket dropshipping, but you really want to get into it and you're starting to really get used to it, um, niche research is the first step of the entire journey. So get the niches list at ecommerceparadise.com. Just click the link at the top for the niches download or go to ecommerceparadise.com slash 99 niches, um, 99 profitable niches. And they're not just like fake BS niches. These are actually real niches that real stores are selling. So it's a really good list to start with. And like John was saying, um, get a mentor. And I offer mentorship. So you can click the link below. Um, the niches list is down there. You can, offer, you can get coaching, ecommerceparadise.com slash coaching, ecommerceparadise.com slash masterclass is where you can find the high ticket trafficking masterclass. John, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you, Trevor. It was, it was a pleasure. It was a really pleasure. And thanks a lot for your help.
yeah, anytime. Hey, excited about uh, to see your results in the future, man. Yeah, I'll keep you posted. Cool. Sounds good. All right, have a good one. Great. Take care.